Hello, this is Pastor Dan of Edgeboro Raving Church, and welcome to this Worship by Phone recording posted during the week of Sunday, June 6th. Uh, apologize for the little bit of a delay that we had here as we kind of had to figure some technical stuff out. Uh, this past Sunday was the first Sunday that we were back worshiping in the sanctuary. Uh, it felt uh, like old habits and uh, and new things kind of all coming together at once, but we were uh, grateful to be together uh, in our place of worship once again. Uh, so that's kind of the context of this worship service, and later on you will hear uh, uh, then the scripture reading and the sermon and then a hymn that is included from that. Of course, with being inside also comes some other logistics for recording and things like that, uh, hence uh, the, the reason for some of the, the technical uh, concerns that, that we had to overcome in the last couple days and, and led to this delay. But uh, we hope to uh, uh, continue doing a sermon by phone, uh, at least for the foreseeable future. And if there's ever a time where we stop or might have a different way to uh, to reach out uh, to those who, uh, who would like to worship with us but can't make it to be with us physically, uh, we'll find some other way to do that and, and let you all know and communicate that as well. But for now, we are still worshiping by phone. Uh, so let us quiet our hearts as we come to our scripture reading for this week. Our gospel reading for today comes from Mark chapter 3, verses 20 through 35. And the crowd came together again, so that they could not even eat. When his family heard it, they went out to restrain him, for people were saying, He has gone out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He is Beelzebul, and by the ruler of the demons he casts out demons. And he called them to him and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but his end has come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man. Then indeed the house can be plundered. Truly I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they had said, he has an unclean spirit. Then his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside asking for you. And he replied, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around them, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Here ends our reading for today. Thanks be to God. Bowling, darts, baseball, driving halfway across the country in an electric vehicle, giving up a full-time job with benefits to attend seminary 15 hours away, playing my bass, camp skits, managing to get through an overscheduled week, producing a provincial-wide virtual worship service for nearly six months unprompted, recording a daily, daily 
daily podcast for two and a half years. These are some of the things that I've done that have prompted people to call me crazy at one point or another. In some cases, crazy was used in the same way that jazz musicians appropriated the word decades ago to describe something or someone, <clears throat> someone that is cool or amazing or unique. And at other times, maybe even in those same cool and amazing instances, crazy was used to describe that there was something different about me that made me choose to do something a normal person would never do. This is more along the lines of the original intent for the word, which began being used in the late 1500s to describe someone's mental health status. And as a related meaning, uh, it was used to describe that someone was broken. To be crazy meant to have many cracks. That's why there's similarities in the, at least the beginning of those words. So I wonder, just like how I've been called crazy for some of the things that I've done in the past, is there anything that you've done in the past that have prompted people to call you crazy? This is not a time for confession, so you can keep those things to yourself. But I feel like I've heard that phrase a lot lately, call me crazy, but, and then some kind of opinion would follow. And I've heard that phrase a lot because, well, there's a lot of things to have an opinion about these days. Call me crazy. Today, we jumped into a chapter early in Mark. Jesus has been baptized, spent 40 days in the wilderness, battling temptation, went out and called his disciples, and began his time of public ministry. I think it's important to know all that because our scripture reading for today starts with the word and. We don't really know what came first unless we read it first, so I wanted to remind us of what did actually come first. So here Jesus is in his public ministry, empowering the powerless teaching the uneducated, dining with sinners, and healing the most untouchable people that no one knew how to deal with or care for. In doing this, he was upsetting what was a normal way of life for everyone else. He was upsetting the status hierarchies of the cities in which he lived, or which he traveled to. He was doing so many things that were unheard of, though, that people began to claim that he was from God. All of this is what people wanted to silence from Jesus before the Roman leaders found out, because determining social rankings, determining hierarchies and how cities were going to be run, and then claiming that they were from God and holy and divine people are things that Roman leaders did, not anyone else. But the following around Jesus began to grow, and, it, and so he attracted more attention to him, and those that knew Jesus were then worried about him. His family and associates had no idea why he was continuing to say and do the things that were attracting so much attention to himself. He was going to get himself in trouble. So because they were confused, they didn't really know what he was doing, and because they wanted to diminish the trouble that Jesus was going to be in, they didn't want the Roman leaders to find out about this stuff. In order to do all that, they called him crazy, out of his mind. And yes, the NRSV version that, that I just read before said that people said that he was crazy, 
But other translations and the Greek say that they said he was crazy. The very people that knew him, his family, his associates, those who knew him best were the ones calling him crazy. And when Jesus wouldn't respond to their pleas to be quiet, they tried to restrain him and then remove him from the crowd. Going one step further than that, the religious leaders don't just call him crazy, they call him possessed. I find it interesting that in this moment, it's the people that are supposed to know Jesus, supposed to know what he is about as a rabbi, as a teacher, his family, his associates, maybe even the disciples, other religious leaders, the people that are supposed to know Jesus the best are the very ones who don't understand what he's doing, call him crazy, and want him to leave. Of course, Jesus is aware of this, and so he says, fine. If the ones that know me are the ones that are rejecting me, then let me call different people my family. This crowd that is sitting around me, these are my brothers and sisters and my mother. But what is it that makes these people, this crowd, this kind of faceless, nameless crowd that we don't know much about, what is it that makes these people special enough for Jesus to call them family? We don't know who they are. We don't know what they've done. In fact, I'm willing to bet that most of them, having just met Jesus in this crowd now or only knowing him from other crowds that they may have been in, have little to no understanding of who Jesus is and what he's doing or saying. I mean, they certainly don't understand Jesus more than his family, more than his associates and disciples, and more than religious leaders do. There's only one thing that this crowd is doing in this moment that his family and associates and religious leaders are not. They're sitting with Jesus. Though they might not have any clue what Jesus is doing in the moment, though they might be confused, though they too might have reason to call Jesus crazy, they're not leaving. They're not forcing Jesus away. They sat and they stayed. In the Gospel of Mark, persistence, sticking around with Jesus through thick and thin, is a huge part of what it means to be a follower of Christ. In Mark, the disciples are not described as models of grace or elegance or courage or profound knowledge. No, they get scared when the waters get rough. They screw things up. They don't know how to answer Christ's questions. They completely misunderstand his teachings and parables all the time. And yet, they're the ones that stick by Jesus. And because of that, Jesus sticks by them. He calls them friends and continued to show them great things and ultimately entrusted them to do great things themselves. As followers of Christ gathered here today and online and believers of God, we hope that we are now coming out of a tough year where we have struggled to see and understand what God has been doing in the world. For example, we've been asking, or maybe I've been asking, and maybe you've shared this question along with me in different words, how does a global pandemic fit into God's plan for the world, especially when we profess in the beginning of our funeral liturgy that God is not the cause of our grief or pain? 
What was God doing when we weren't able to gather? What was God doing and is doing now when political divides keep getting wider? What was God doing when racial injustices were magnified and not stopping? What was God doing when everything and, and still is, when everything still is and was so tense? What was God doing? There were so many instances in this last year when we had no idea what God was doing for us, for the church, or for the world. And in many cases, we still don't really know. We might figure that out in time, but we still don't know. There were so many chances for us to misunderstand, to be confused, and then to walk away. But yet, here we are. We're back. We have returned. After a horrible year, we are still here. And now we are reminded that the way to get in with Jesus is to stay with him. Those who stay are those that Jesus calls family. Those who stand by Jesus, even when things are tough and confusing and times might be crazy, those who stick around to see things through are members of Christ's family. Stick around, and that is exactly who you are, a family member of Christ. So now that you're back, and you have stuck around, and you've remained with Jesus, can you be here a bit longer to understand how God shaped you and the church in this past year? Can you continue to stick around to help us do that? Can you continue to stick around to find out what new things we're being called to do and what current things we are called to do even more? I hope you can stick around, for there is so much yet to unfold around here, and we're going to find that out together.